This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming to you from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo, Bible teacher and author of The Nature and Power of Prayer. Today, we will be continuing a sermon in the Heavenly Authority series, dealing with the limits of respect. Having established that Christians should respect authority and be good citizens, Pastor moved on to Acts chapter 4, where Peter and John are arrested following the healing of the lame man at the temple. The Sanhedrin orders the apostles not to preach in the name of Jesus. Pastor Greg went into the book of Daniel for similar decrees, and when we left off, he was discussing how the other administrators, jealous of Daniel's service to the king, seek to trap him through his unwavering faith in God. Here is Pastor Greg Scalzo. Verse 6, So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors, have consulted together to establish a royal statute, a kingly decree, a royal statute, and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Once it was made, it was firm. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Verse 10, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He knows the decree. He's not ignorant of it. He knows the law that he can't worship any god. For 30 days, he opens the window toward Jerusalem. He kneels down. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. He disobeys. He disobeys the royal decree. There is a limit to respect for authority. He has a higher law. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. They knew what would happen. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree, and they make it known to the king. And then verse 14, And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. But there's no way out of the law of the Medes and the Persians. He decreed it. The king doesn't like this very much. He doesn't care if Daniel's praying to his God. Daniel's a good, he can't get better than Daniel. And he did something foolish, and now he has to stick to it. He's trapped, and Daniel is thrown into the lion's den, and we know God preserves him. As a matter of fact, it says in verse 18, Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him, also his sleep went from him. He's so concerned. He wants Daniel alive. He's praying. He's fasting because he wants to keep Daniel as his servant. And God delivers 
Daniel. Verse 19, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. He's still respectful to the king. And he goes on to give testimony how God set his angel to shut the lion's mouth. He's still a faithful servant. He's still a good steward. But there is a limit. These are things and there are things we cannot, we cannot obey. Verse 22, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. He did nothing wrong disobeying that decree because the king has no authority to make such a decree. There are certain things you cannot be ordered to do. If you are a child, there are certain things your parents have no authority to command you to do. If you are a wife, there are certain things your husband cannot command you to do. He has no authority. If you're a student, if you're an employee, if you're a citizen, if you're a member of the church, there are some things that those in leadership have no authority to ask you to do because they're wrong. They're idolatry. They're worship of another God. And God supersedes all authority. They have no right asking you to do that which is clearly wrong in God's sight. And they have no right asking you to worship anything or anyone other than God or to deny your worship or your service of him. For he, God Almighty, is Lord of lords and King of kings. Amen. And there is a limit to respect given to men. For our true respect lies first and foremost to God. Let's go back to Acts chapter 4. Verse 18, so they called them and commanded them not to speak, not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. And look at Peter's answers, perfect. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, you judge. For we, on our part, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We are compelled. We can't do anything else but to speak the truth, to say what we've seen and what we've heard. And you judge us? Well, then judge whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God. He speaks the truth. He doesn't attack them back, but he doesn't acquiesce to their order. This is true courage, to speak truth. Sometimes we get so angry, we rile, and we attack. He doesn't attack. It takes courage to constrain ourselves and yet do that which is right and speak the truth boldly. The scriptures are never telling us to be so obsequious, so subservient, that we just go along with anything we're commanded to do. He did what was right. And look at the logic. You judge, you're Israel's leaders, whether it's right 
What is the basis of the Sanhedrin's authority? What is the basis of the priest's authority? Where do they receive their authority as religious leaders from? They receive it from God. Can they then ask the disciples to go against God? If they do that, what are they doing? They're removing the very foundation of their own authority, and then they have no authority at all. When someone in a position of authority, we see how God has placed the governments in authority. And we talked about the family, and we've spoken about employee-employer relationships. We've, we will speak about more of the authority structure in the church. When God places someone in authority, if they ask you to do something against God, they remove the foundation of their authority. If these are the religious leaders, you judge. All authority, secular, church authority, family, marriages, work, all are in a position from God. And if you're asked to go against God, that person is removing the foundation on which they stand. We are Holy Spirit. Remember, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. We are Holy Spirit compelled. It is right in God's sight, no matter who says otherwise, to say and speak that which we have seen and heard, to preach the gospel, to do that which gives glory to Jesus Christ. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard, the gospel. Now, Peter, remember, he and those who make the good confession like him have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Clearly, he's the leader of the 12 apostles. There's no denying that from the scriptures. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 14, now the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. For all eternity, forever and ever unending, the New Jerusalem, the foundation, one of the foundations will have the name Peter on it. He has great authority, and yet he stands before this group who we know have acted many times like vipers. Yet he doesn't lead a rebellion against them, but he doesn't give in to their ungodly decree. He speaks with respect. He speaks with calm. He does not waver in what is right. And think of the personality change. This is someone that when he got afraid, he would call down curses, right? And here he stands before men that can kill him in a moment, in the earthly sense, and with calm and clear thinking, he presents the logic and the gospel of God and the limit of their authority over him and the disciples. He does not give in. By what name, by what authority, by what power, these are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are disciples of Messiah. Verse 21, so when they had further threatened them, they don't give up, they threaten them some more, then they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people. Since they all glorified God, the people got it, God did a healing. All the people glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. 40 years old, he was lame. And God healed him through this ministry of Peter and John. It is Israel's elders and the priests and the scribes who lose it, showing no respect for the miracle of God that's performed through these men. And they threaten and they try to put fear in them but ultimately they fear the people and they can go no further. Then what? 
in verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, you are God, you are the ultimate authority. You have created all things. And David said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, the secular leaders with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, the religious leaders, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Or you could say they may break the decree of the Sanhedrin. Right? The decree of the Sanhedrin is don't speak in that name anymore. And they're praying to God to give them boldness to speak in that name, to speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. We're going to keep preaching that name. Give us the boldness, Lord. Take away the fear, Lord. Do miracles, Lord, to testify to the name of Jesus that this whole city of Jerusalem might be shaken up. Visit our church website at www.shiarjeshub.org for hundreds of radio programs and information on our church and Pastor Greg Scalzo.